You're listening to the Assembly Call IU podcast and postgame show, the place where Indiana fans across the globe hang out online after every IU basketball game. If you want to get more out of being an IU basketball fan, then make sure you're subscribed to our email newsletter. Go to assemblycall.com slash join today and sign up for free. That's assemblycall.com slash join. This episode of The Assembly Call is brought to you by Crane Credit Union. Get a $150 deposit into your new Crane Credit Union checking account when you get e-statements, have direct deposit, and use your debit card. Plus, there's no monthly service charges and no minimum balance to open your account. Stop into any of Crane Credit Union's 14 locations or visit their website at cranecu.org for more information. That's cranecu.org. Crane Credit Union is federally insured by NCUA. And now, get ready for another brand new edition of Assembly Call Radio. And welcome, Hoosier fans, to this week's edition of Assembly Call Radio. This is episode number 35 of Assembly Call Radio, and it is our 327th episode overall of the Assembly Call, recorded on the evening of Thursday, July 13th, 2017. I am Jared Morris, your host for Assembly Call Radio, where each week we break down the most important IU basketball stories from the past seven days. Remember, once the season starts, you can catch us immediately after every IU basketball game on the Assembly Call IU postgame show. Watch us live at assemblycall.com. You can also subscribe to our YouTube channel. Just go to assemblycall.com YouTube. And if you can't catch one of our shows live, you can always catch up with our podcast. Just search for Assembly Call wherever you listen to podcasts. And you will find us. All right. Well, let's begin how we always begin. And that is with our Hoosier Proud Banner moment. And finally, this week, a few options to choose from. You had uh, Peaks.com reporting Thursday that the number three ranked player in the class of 2019, James Weissman, lists Indiana among the schools that he wants to visit, along with Kentucky, Duke, and Kansas. That's always a good thing. Uh, There have been several strong performances by IU alums in the NBA Summer League, which we'll get to in a bit. And Colin Hartman was cleared for contact, which was great to hear. But I'm going with something a little more subtle for this week's Who's Your Proud Banner moment, something that may well be the single biggest difference between last year's disaster of a season and what I continue to think will be a 2017-18 season that is going to surprise on the positive side. So at Tuesday's media availability, Jawan Morgan was asked this question. I know it's early, but what is the biggest difference you've seen from this team from a year ago that the fans are going to notice right when they see you guys practicing and playing? Juwan's simple, succinct response, quote, I feel like there won't be any questions of leadership at all. In answers to other questions, Juwan made it clear that he is taking it upon himself to be more of a leader, both vocally and by example, and he discussed what the team missed last year not having Colin Hartman that they will presumably have this year with him back. And I have a few sources close to the program who have been effusive in their praise of Robert Johnson's emergence as a leader as well. So add it all up, and it's extremely positive in terms of what we're hearing from a leadership standpoint so far for Indiana. Now, right now, it's all just talk. The proof will be in the play. But during the summer months, all we really have to go on is what is said. And at the moment... It sounds like one of Indiana's biggest deficiencies from last season could end up being a strength in this one coming up. And that was this week's Banner Moment, brought to you by our friends at HoosierProud.com. Now, let me introduce my esteemed co-hosts for this evening. And we have our full roster tonight with Ryan and Andy both here. To my left, one of the world's most respected bracketologists, and as the president of the Robert Johnson Fan Club, he already has a spreadsheet ready to count down Rojo's quest to pass Greg Graham on the all-time IU scoring list. He is Andy Bottoms. Andy, what is your Bottoms line from the past week in Indiana basketball? You know, I think this week is a good one to talk about just how how crazy IU fans are for any little bit of of news or anything going on. I know we had the same thing getting ready for the show, trying to figure out, like, what's going to happen? What are we going to talk about? And then uh, – and then – the media availability comes like, all right, we've got something to talk about. Even though like the fir- one of the first ones I watched, there was really very little said, but it was still enough to get everybody excited about, um, you know, seeing some of the guys and, and the, you know, the changes they've made. 
uh, physically and, and just hearing them talk about the change in, in coaching and what they're looking forward to uh, over the course of the season. And, you know, I think that says a lot about the fan base. Uh, you know, recruiting obviously is pretty big this time as they're getting into the live period uh, in July, and that will certainly be a focus. But for me, uh, as someone who doesn't get too far into that, uh, was exciting to you know, just hear hear some of the guys' thoughts on on the upcoming season, and I think it's uh, you know certainly an easy thing to do as an IU fan and just anybody in the middle of July to get excited about seeing these guys, and and then you kind of come to the harsh reality that the season isn't as close as you wish that it was. Um, but it was a little bit of a you know oasis in the middle of the desert that is the off season uh, to you know kind of look forward to and, and get some thoughts from both Archie and the and a number of the players and. Um, yeah, it sounds like the schedule is pretty close to being done, at least from the non-conference standpoint. So, uh, you know, sounds pretty close to being able to get that to look at in a little bit more depth uh, and have another good question about that uh, coming up in the Twitter Q&A about, you know, the Big Ten, uh, you know, some of the nuances there. So, you know, a- an exciting week, even though when you probably look back in retrospect in a few weeks, it's like, yeah, I don't, I don't know what we really learned. I don't really know what was said, but uh, I guess that's, you know, symptomatic of the uh, of how we're just dying to get any little bit of news. And to my right, we have the guy who was almost kicked out of a recent Toronto Raptors summer league game for heckling Will Sheehy with, quote, constructive criticism, a columnist for TheBigLead.com, and a man who is proudly broadcasting his first episode with his brand new Big Baller brand microphone. It's made of paper clips and gum and only costs $700. He is Ryan Phillips. Ryan, what would you like to rant about this week? Well, I'd like to talk up this microphone because I might get some cash out of it, but... uh, (laughs) You know, I think that the the biggest story for me, actually, I mean, the media availability was big and we'll get into that. But the biggest story for me is how well some former Indiana guys are performing in the summer league. I think it's been really impressive. Um, and I know we're going to talk about that right after this. So I figured I'd make that my my rant is it's it's really nice to see these guys having improved over the last few months, have a good showing in summer league reflects well on the program, reflects well on Indiana and the preparation they're getting there. And uh, I I can't remember a year where this many IU guys were having success in the summer league. I mean, obviously, the summer league is a is a very different animal now than it was in the past. It's you know, all the games are broadcast virtually. And some of them, the ones that aren't broadcast are on ESPN three and you can watch them. Um, You know, they, they actually keep the stats. You can go check them out, all that stuff. And there's highlights everywhere. So you're seeing a lot of production from these guys who went to Indiana and I think that you're hearing the uh, the announcers talk them up so it's really good to see um, you know we wish all those kids who go to the next level well when they leave Indiana so you know it, it's it's great to see that some of them are carving out a niche some might wind up in the G League some might wind up overseas but you're you're seeing some performance and uh, and I think that reflects well in the program and will long term. It's a good reminder that that 2016 team was pretty darn good, too. It was pretty darn good. You guys are really doing well in the Summer League. So we are, as Ryan mentioned, we are going to talk about that a little bit more here coming up at the end of this segment. We will also dive into this week's media availability and give you our top takeaways from that. And then we've got some great questions, uh, including one about the schedule that I found really, really interesting in terms of what Big Ten games we want to see Indiana get in December. I think that'll be a fun discussion. All of that and more coming up on this week's edition of Assembly Call Radio. First, real quick, a word about this week's sponsor, SeatGeek. Buying tickets to sports and concerts can be complicated, as you know, but there is a better, simpler way to buy with SeatGeek. SeatGeek is the smartest, easiest way to get tickets to live events. With SeatGeek's seamless mobile experience, you can buy and sell tickets in just two taps. SeatGeek helps you find the best seats at the best prices, fully guaranteed. There is nothing quite like seeing your favorite team or musician in person, and SeatGeek will get you closer to the action for a great value. I have the SeatGeek app on my phone, and I plan on using it liberally uh, next season to hopefully catch a lot of former Hoosiers. Obviously, you got Victor with the Pacers and Yogi with the Mavericks, and hopefully Troy stays on with the Rockets and Thomas gets a chance with the Lakers and on and on. So there should be a lot of opportunities this year to watch uh, or this upcoming season to watch the Hoosiers in the NBA, and you should be using your SeatGeek app when you do that because SeatGeek is designed to make your ticket-buying experience easier than ever and best of all our listeners get $20 off of their first SeatGeek purchase just download the SeatGeek app and enter the promo code assembly today that's promo code assembly A-S-S-E-M-B-L-Y for $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase 
All righty, you are listening to the Assembly Call. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips. And Ryan, you teased it a little bit there in your opening statement, the Summer League. But let's talk about some of the Hoosiers in particular who are playing well. And the guy who I think should lead off this discussion is Troy Williams. Because, you know, based on what I've seen on Twitter, I haven't seen any of the actual games. But stat lines, highlights, and just the superlatives that you see on Twitter, it looks like we've gotten a whole lot of good Troy so far this summer. Yeah, he's been one of the best players in the summer league. In the Las Vegas portion, he is the fourth leading scorer, averaging 24.3 points a game. Um, I mean, I'm not going to go into all his numbers, but the rest are, are, you know, very nice. He fits very well with that up and down system they're running uh, under Mike D'Antoni there and that they have translated to summer league. And he's not only that, he's looking like a leader. He's finishing at the rim. He's getting steals defensively. He's averaging 2.3 steals a game, something we didn't see a whole lot of wow. from Troy in college. Um, he he looks like he's an adult playing with young kids and it's only his second year in. I mean, he looks like a fifth year veteran playing in summer league. I mean, you see some of these guys who are fringe players who have played a couple times in summer league come in and oftentimes they dominate and look really good. That's what Troy looks like, but he's only a second year guy. Um, so I think he has done really well. He's made a lot of three pointers. He shot very well from, from, from distance. We know that was a struggle for him when he was at Indiana. Clearly he's gotten better at it. Um, but his finishing ability has been off the charts and, and he's really been a leader for that Houston team, um, which you know, I mean, that that's great to see for Troy. I mean, he's he's essentially I think he's played his way onto the roster. Um, we'll see if he lasts all year, but I think he he has easily played his way onto the roster. I mean, scoring 24.3 points a game in 28 minutes a game is pretty darn good. And well, especially with the uh, mass and, exodus of players that they had in the Chris Paul deal. But sure. Rockets, yeah. So. I mean, he, you know, it, it, that's the that's the other thing is that, you know, he's playing for a team that doesn't have a lot around him and he's doing really well. And so I um, I mean, I've been impressed with what I've seen from Troy. This isn't college Troy where it's up and down. He's been pretty consistent and, and that's really good to see. And we know he had flashes as a rookie. He showed flashes with Memphis and then again with Houston showed some really good things. And that was great to see as well. So he's really carried that in and looked even better in summer league. Yeah, you I know, think from I, I watched I watched a little bit of him just to, just to jump in, and I think you know one of the things we would always talk about with him at IU is like does he does he know what he's doing when he's playing well? And I think he seems to have gotten a really good grasp on that in the, in the action that I've watched. You know, his shot has you know improved. You can tell he's a little bit more confident there, um, but he's doing a really good job. Like Ryan said, getting to the basket, shooting really well from the foul line. I know one of the first games he he shot I think ten maybe even more free throws than that in the. Uh, you know, in in his first game uh, out there, and I think he just seems seems more comfortable with what he's doing, and has really, you know, refined his game to to really focus on what makes him most effective. Yeah. Well, I would say it's it's just he's matured. He has matured as a basketball player, and I think that we were waiting for that for a long time. There's so much potential, and it just seems like. He's not out there when he, going a thousand miles an hour all the time. He knows how to pace himself and knows how to pick his spots. You know, Yogi is another interesting story. He obviously was a revelation for the Mavericks in the second half of last season and had his deal guaranteed for this upcoming season. But they, of course, drafted Dennis Smith, who everybody here in Dallas is really, really excited about. And so it's going to be interesting to see what role Yogi will have. We know he's solidly part of the Mavericks mix for this year. Will he be the backup point guard coming off the bench? Uh, that's what it looks like because it looks like they're going to give the keys to Dennis Smith. But we all know Yogi, and we know that he is uh, not going to go down or take a backseat to anybody without a fight. So that will be an interesting uh, you know, kind of storyline to watch play out. But I think the other guy you know, that's really interesting from a will-he-make-the-roster standpoint and what can he be in the NBA – is Thomas Bryant. Ryan, have we learned anything about Thomas's future in the NBA from the first few summer league games? I think that whoever he was working out with before he went to the late before he was drafted by the Lakers uh, deserves a bonus because he just looks so much more well-rounded. Um, you don't see a lot of the, you know, shuffling his feet and things like that. When he's out on the perimeter, he looks like he's running to a spot, getting there, being solid, not drifting. His ball handling is better. I mean, as we've said many times with Thomas, you can't teach a seven, six wingspan. You know, you can't teach the way he runs the floor. You can't teach some of the things he can do. And he does have hidden athleticism that, you know, will come out at times and, and get more consistent as he gets older. Um, but I think that in the first game, he was outstanding for the Lakers, 13 points. He was one of the best players on the floor in the first half of his first game. Um, 
And I think that they, you know, and he stepped out and hit a three and his shot looks more smooth. I think the big key with the Lakers, the Lakers really like him. If you read the comments, they really, really like him. He's going to be with the organization. The question is whether or not he's down with the G League or he's coming up. And I think he'll start in the in the G League and maybe run most of the season down there and come up in spots if there's an injury or something. But they love his ability. But they also are aware that he's still only 19. And and Rob Polinka was discussing it, the Lakers GM, and he said um, one of the best things about Thomas was that there's so much untapped potential and that if they work on, they want to improve his flexibility, want to improve his conditioning a little. They said he was really well conditioned when he came in, but they want to keep that up. So they said improve his flexibility and then just round off the edges of his game, ball handling, things like that, and and just get him a little stronger. And and they think he can be a guy for them. Um, you know, with, with Brooke Lopez there right now at center. They have Avika Zubats as the backup. So Thomas kind of doesn't have a spot, but Brooke Lopez is only going to be there for one year and then he's gone. So they, they there's a chance for him. There's room there for in Los Angeles for him, and they really like him, so I think he'll get a chance. It's good to hear. And obviously James Blackman Jr., Will Sheehy also playing in the summer league. Nothing really notable for them yet, but it's nice seeing so many Indiana guys in there and, uh, and getting a chance. And so we hope as many of those guys as possible make it onto rosters uh, for the upcoming season. All right, let's uh, let's move on to segment number two. We are going to break down this week's media availability and give you our top takeaways because there was a lot, I think, that we learned uh, from the players and the coaches, and we will get to that next on the Assembly Call. You are listening to the Assembly Call. I am Jared Morris here talking IU hoops with my co-hosts on the Assembly Call IU postgame show, Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips. And guys, let's dive in and talk about this week's media availability. So Archie Miller, as well as a cadre of players, were made available to the media. Uh, media was able to ask a lot of questions. We got a lot of answers. And, you know, sometimes from these events, you don't get a lot of insight. But I thought I thought we got some really interesting comments from both players and coaches. And so I want to get your top takeaways. And Ryan, we're going to start with you and we're going to start with the obvious kind of biggest takeaway from this which is Deron Davis and we know that it's the biggest takeaway because literally in every like twosome of guys that came out yeah Josh Newkirk and Robert Johnson came out together Curtis Jones and Devontae Green Colin Hartman and then uh, John Morgan Deron Davis came out but everybody was asked about Deron Davis even in sessions when he wasn't there so that clearly is the top offseason storyline and so I have to imagine that is uh, your top takeaway from what we saw on Tuesday. Yeah, it was. And, and I thought it was great that, you know, everybody was praising him. You know, there was no and they were all saying the same thing. So you felt like it wasn't token. It was they actually were, you know, impressed by what was going on with him. He's lost 20 pounds. Uh, everybody was saying he's more nimble. He's playing above the rim. He's running faster. He just looks more comfortable. Um, you know, he came in at 271 as a freshman and is now down at least 20 pounds uh, from, I don't know what he was at the beginning of the summer, but it, it, 20 pounds from that. Um, so that's going to make him more mobile, make him able, it's going to help him defensively, offensively. And the reason everyone's asking about him is because of how important Duran is to this team. I mean, he is your lone pure post guy. You've got other guys who can play down there and who can help out. Juwan Morgan can certainly help out. We've seen Colin Hartman do it before. Freddie McSwain's going to be in the mix. But one thing that you don't have is that stellar go-to post-up guy and rim protector. You don't have a classic guy like that. He's the only one. And so uh, I think that that's why it's so important. That's why everyone's asking. And, And Archie Miller, you know, to the credit of the journalist, Archie Miller started this. He he said it at the beginning of the year, you know, when he got hired at the beginning of the offseason. He said that's the most important thing was, you know, he mentioned it so many times, Duran getting in shape and buying in and getting into a workout program and changing his diet and all that stuff. Archie brought all that up. And so it, it's going to be a, a major focus for the team to get him to, to where he can really contribute and stay on the floor. Remember, last year, didn't play a ton of minutes. It might have been because he was out of shape and, and, and also foul trouble. Those are the two things. So yeah. uh, I thought that was the biggest thing for everybody. And, and I think everybody knows that. I think all the players know that because they seem to be noticing everything Duran does on the floor. Well, and it seems like there's even been a domino effect because you had Juwan Morgan even say, you know, shoot, I was eating poorly three days out of the week. And now I'm looking over at Duran and it's changed, you know, what I'm doing. So my question for you, Andy, is has Duran Davis's weight loss inspired you to eat better and exercise more? 
It probably ought to. I don't know whether it has or not, but it probably should. Um, yeah, you know, it's funny. You know, Ryan mentioned the the, the foul trouble, and and even Duran. I, I thought it was interesting that he mentioned that a lot of his fouls he got because he just felt like he was tired and was, um, you know, wasn't able to you know to use his strength and just was. You know, he kind of attributed some of that not necessarily to being out of position, not to being young, not to not to those things, but he really put you know part of the blame on on those kinds of things into the conditioning and. And all that. And I think it, some of that, you know, he, he was definitely I, I believe he's one that alluded to it, um, you know, the, not only the time that he missed over last summer, but the fact that this year's freshmen aren't missing that time um, for, for different reasons. And so he talked about that. So, yeah, I, I, I you know, obviously uh, based on the you know, sheer volume of questions about it, but also, you know, in, in kind of hearing him talk. Um, you could tell he he's really confident and feels good about what he's been able to accomplish uh, from that perspective. And, and, you know, seems like even though it wasn't mentioned among the, among the leaders um, certainly I think has a, has a good understanding of how important he's going to be to the team. Yeah, there's no question. I mean, he's vital. And so all of these stories about him being in better shape, being ready to take on that extra load are huge for Indiana heading into next season. Andy, what else stood out for you? Biggest takeaways from the media availability. Uh, I, one of the other things was, and maybe it was because, you know, four of the guys they talked to were, were guards, but, uh, I think the importance of, of Archie being a major college point guard and how that's going to shape what those guys do and how they develop, uh, and how they play, you know, they talked about, um, I think it was Newkirk and, and Rojo were talking about how he was, you know, telling them about how to make the right reads, how to, uh, you know, get in the lane, how to make certain passes and, uh, and, and things like that. And I think his experience and, and being able to, to play at the level that he did um, will really help them. And, and, and so I think that, that will be there. And that really feeds directly into the turnovers. You know, you heard decision-making mentioned over and over and over again, um, certainly by the guards and, and just, you know, being able to make the smart pass. Uh, and so I think, again, that all is going to you know filter down from him and uh, and his experience there. So I think that's uh, certainly going to be important as we you know look forward to a season where where hopefully the turnover numbers come down and and some of those kinds of things. I think a lot of that will be able to be attributed to you know his uh, tutelage as a former you know ACC point guard and uh, being able to to show these guys some of the little nuances uh, that that they may not have noticed before. You're listening to the Assembly Column. Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips discussing this week's media availability. And you know there were, there were tons of takeaways. And if you haven't had a chance to watch all of the videos or check out the transcripts, our friends over at Inside the Hall have all the videos there, all the transcripts. So it's definitely worth checking them out. I will say the other big takeaway that I had had to do with Colin Hartman. And the obvious one is that he's cleared for contact now, which is great to hear. So obviously they're going to work him back in. And, and he talked about you know, the difference between just kind of getting more comfortable on your own and then having now to account for other people and account for contact and kind of what that transition is going to be. But I also thought it was interesting what other people said. And, and you know, the other kind of theme that you heard, you know, everybody was talking about Deron Davis, but you heard a lot of commentary about how important Colin is as a leader. Archie uh, Miller talked about it. I thought Juwan really made the point, you know, about what they lost and not having uh, Colin there. He even made a comment that, you know, he and OG used to joke that Colin Hartman was kind of like the guy that, you know, whose voice you didn't want to hear. And they, they would kind of groan. But it's one of those where you know that he's right. Uh, you know, so you take it and you really miss it when he's not there to kind of give that advice. And, you know, it really made me, you know, think back to last season and, and you just wonder a little bit how the leadership issues, you know, might they have been improved some? I mean, they certainly would have been improved, but how much would Colin Hartman have helped? And I think having him back, um, you know, who knows what he'll be able to do statistically, but having him in uniform, being able to provide that leadership, uh, I think is really big. Um, Ryan, what else uh, stood out to you from the media availability? Well, I just think that the, the the focus on turnovers and aggressiveness and toughness, I think, were were really important, and the focus on defense too. I mean, we we Curtis Jones and and Demonte Green and Robert Johnson and, uh, and and Josh Newkirk all focused on that, and and you know, toughness, defense, things that we haven't seen much of consistently over the past few years. Uh, I think it's music to everybody's ears, uh, and, and you know, the you know, not turning the ball over as has been mentioned. I think that that is that is something that is just enormous for this team moving forward because if you cut out those turnovers you actually stop the other team from scoring in a lot of ways. 
Yeah. And, and I thought it was also interesting, you know, Archie Miller talked some about the schedule. And uh, people have wondered, what will Indiana do with the week between the Big Ten tournament and the NCAA tournament? Do you, you know, hold an exhibition game for there? Do you try and do something? And Archie basically made it clear that he doesn't really believe in that, thinks there's so much risk, you know, to injury and other things if yeah. you added a game there. And he basically said, look, you know, the Wichita States of the world have been using that week to just work on your own stuff, get healthy. Uh, and so it sounds like that is what Indiana will do. And again, that's an anomaly this year because of the Big Ten tournament being in New York City. It's not like he needs to have a game plan for that happening every season. It won't happen. Oh, you mean the dumbest thing ever? The the dumbest thing ever, the Big Ten championship being in New York City yeah, a week well, early. I know. Surely the Big Ten has thought of dumber things than that. We can think of many. I'm really, sure. really yeah. name them. Well, legends and leaders. Okay, yeah. yeah. See, oh, there boy. you go. That didn't take long, <laughs> yeah, did it? Didn't take it did not take long. Why don't you think about it myself? A little while. And we have a great yeah, we yeah. have a great question about the schedule coming up too. So that'll be that'll be a fun one. A- Andy, what about uh, Robert Johnson? I mean, you're the president of the fan club. I thought you know there, there was a, he obviously spoke, and I think Archie again you know, kind of publicly challenged Robert a little bit, you know, uh, kind of reiterated the fact that Robert is doing better but still needs to come out of his shell, you know, come out of his comfort zone a little bit. Um, and, again, everything I've been hearing suggests that he's been doing that more and more. Uh, what did you think from some of the comments about Robert? Yeah, it's interesting. I, I feel like it's things we heard about him a little bit in the in the past. I think Crean had alluded to that, uh, you know, in years prior that he was very much a – you know, lead by example guy and was going to be a really hard worker and do the right things, but wasn't necessarily vocal. And so, um, you know, to a certain extent, it's trying to get get people to, you know, come out of what their you know natural personality comfort zone is. And um, so he seemed to, you know, he, he seemed to really, you know, when he and, and Newkirk were up there, he seemed to kind of, I guess, take charge in that sense in terms of really jumping in, trying to answer a lot of the questions and uh, and things like that. So I, it sounds like he's had a pretty positive offseason, um, spoke uh, well of, you know, the feedback he got from from the NBA process that, um, you know, he was going to look to incorporate whether he could, you know, play point guard at a high level and run a team. Uh, I think is something we've wondered. I don't know how much chance he'll get to do that this year as somebody who may end up being, uh, you know, primarily an off the ball guy um, and, and consistency. And I think, you know, that's the one where you, you look ahead to the season and, uh, and, you know, he's a guy who has to be there night in and night out um, as the, you know, fourth or fifth guy, it, it, you can kind of ebb and flow a little bit. And, and certainly we noticed last year when he played well and what that, what that did with the team. But, um, you know, th- there can't be a whole lot of off nights for him, you know, this year as a, as a senior and the amount of games he's played. So, uh, I thought that was there. And the other thing, uh, which was something interesting I hadn't really thought of in this way, um, was they talked about the freshman, you know, really kind of normally coming in behind where everybody else is. But in this case with, you know, installing a new system, uh, really gave them a chance to be on a, you know, somewhat level playing field. Obviously they're not used to the speed of the college game and things like that, but I thought that was, you know, kind of an interesting way to think of them getting in and, uh, you know, whether that means they're going to earn, you know, earlier minutes than they might normally have, uh, obviously remains to be seen too early to say that, but, you know, kind of an interesting thing to, to spin forward as you start to project what a rotation might look like where you may, uh, inherently discount some of those guys, but, but maybe that's not the right way to think of it. Yeah. You know, I've been thinking about that the last couple of weeks that I, I, you know, I kind of forget about Clifton Moore sometimes. You know, we talk about Indiana's lack of depth, and he's not a replacement for Deron Davis because they're two totally different types of players, even though they're r- roughly the same height. But if Clifton can come in, really take advantage of the time with Cliff Marshall and work his way into the rotation, that would be huge for Indiana. You know, just to have another guy his size who's able to get out there and play. So that really will be big. And obviously, you know, if Justin Smith uh, can do the same, I think Al Durham might have a little bit of a harder time cracking the rotation early just because of the depth that you have there in the backcourt. Um, but anything, a lot of praise for Al Durham's shooting ability. I know. I know. I mean, there's been a lot of praise all around. So, which is a, hey, look, Indiana's unheralded recruiting classes recently have been the ones that have really been doing well. So, you know, maybe that'll, maybe that'll happen again. But, uh, oh, oh, yeah, one other thing, yeah. you, you mentioned Cliff Marshall. There were, he was right up there with, you know, partly it was linked to Duran, but a lot of Cliff Marshall questions, which were like veiled. So Lionel Anderson seemed a little nuts, right? And but nobody would really come out and say that. It felt like, yeah. So what's the difference in him? There's uh, lots of describing you know. Cliff as laid back, you know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It was it was a lot of. I'm not going to come out and ask what I really want to ask, but that was uh, yeah, that was that was a fixture in each one, much like uh, much yeah. like Duran's you know new physique. So you're saying Cliff probably won't be heckling Ethan Happ when Wisconsin comes to Bloomington. <laughs> 
I mean, it bothers would, me actually. I, I would wholeheartedly me. support that. I, I yeah. don't mean to say. Yeah. Just leave the I mean, stop half heckling Ryan. Or maybe yeah. he could just point out that he travels every time he touches the ball, and not in a heckling way, but just more in a you know constructive criticism to the officials. You know, you guys might want to check this out. He's been doing this for three years. Well, he, he can join seventeen thousand other uh, IU fans in doing that. All righty. Uh, awesome stuff. It's, uh, you know, really, I mean, we appreciate, you know, IU making those guys available, giving us that insight in the offseason. Uh, it's always, uh, always helpful, and it's great to get that peek, you know, into what's going on with the program during the long summer months as we wait for this exciting new season to kick off. All right. Well, you guys sent in a bunch of questions via Twitter. We are excited to answer them, and so we will do that in our next segment, including one about what two Big Ten games we hope Indiana gets to play early in December. That'll be a fun one. That's coming up next. You're listening to The Assembly Call. Go to assemblycall.com slash join to activate your free membership. You will get our weekly Six Banner Saturday news roundup delivered right to your inbox every weekend so that you can stay up to date with your Hoosiers during the offseason. And even once the season begins, the URL is assemblycall.com slash join. I am Jared Morris talking IU basketball with my co-hosts on the Assembly Call, Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips. Remember, you can join us after every IU basketball game over at assemblycall.com and every week right here for Assembly Call Radio. This is the portion of our weekly show when we turn it over to you and we take the questions that you submitted on Twitter and we do our best to answer them. And we will start with Brandon, who posed this question. Who would you want as IU's two early December opponents? An easy Rutgers game? Get the Cole Center out of the way early? Many possibilities. So I think the answer is pretty obvious here. I say we want the absolutely the two easiest games we can possibly get. So that would be the game at Rutgers, and then whoever you think is going to be the 13th best team in the Big Ten, bring them to Simon Scott Assembly Hall, and let's get those games. Let's get two wins for a number of reasons. Most importantly, that stretch of the schedule is brutally tough for the Hoosiers. And so it's not like we need more tough games stacked in there because we have games against Duke and Louisville and Notre Dame all around it. And number two, you know, this is a team, obviously with a new coach, a lot of guys in new roles, that's still going to be kind of learning about itself and feeling itself out. And so I would rather have our tougher games later in the year because I have a lot of confidence that, you know, under Archie Miller, this team will be better in January and February and March than it is in December when it's still figuring things out. So I'd rather have some easier teams to have an even better chance at getting those wins early. And look, plus, if you can get two wins and you're sitting there at 2-0 in the Big Ten for several weeks before Big Ten play gets going again, that just allows everybody to relax. You know, if you're somehow 1-1 and or 0-2, now you've got kind of that little pressure there. You know, that when Big Ten play kicks up again, you're already behind the eight ball. And so I think for all those reasons, give me the two easiest games Indiana can possibly have early. Let's build a little early season momentum, and then let's figure out everything else down the line a little bit when this team has had a chance to gel. Andy, Wimp. Okay, give me your counter then. Why would you want to have harder games in the midst of an already brutal December? I No, I would actually go one and one. I'd want one easy game. Give me Rutgers on the road or, you know, Nebraska or, you know, someone, whoever is going to be down near the bottom. Are we so sure Rutgers on the road is going to be so great without Max Ryan Burton here to save our bacon? That's fair. (laughs) That's fair. But let's just assume an easy game. I don't know if it's a team, but assume an easy game. And then I, I... Brandon's right. I'd, I'd get at the Cole Center out of the way. I'd get at East Lansing out of the way because nobody expects you to win that. So if you lose that early, you can say, okay, let's build on that. That is um, lose. But that, see, I think that's loser thinking because, I mean, I, think I know we're not going to play the right Let's give ourselves so. a chance. I would rather have that than have a tough game in the last week of the season. If we're, if we're talking about who do we want to play early versus late, I want to get on a momentum run towards the tournament. That's my goal. And so I don't want to have to travel. And I'm not saying I'm not willing to play a good team. I don't want to have to travel to a tough environment if I'm in the middle of a winning streak because those games, if you perform badly, can set you back. And I think if you get it out of the way early, then you have a little break to sort of recoup and refigure it out, you know, rejigger whatever's going on there and, and, and set up your lineup better and, 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 you know, have bad tape to, to watch and figure things out. 
I think that's good for the team. I don't want to play two tough games, but I'd like to get one win, and then I'd like to have a tough game. I'd like a measuring stick to see how this team matches up in the Big Ten. And, hey, if it's an early season game. You might be able to steal one there. I don't think you're going to have as easy a time stealing it in February or, or you know late February. Okay, that argument I'll buy a little bit. Andy, what do you say? Break the tie here. All right, so I would say road game at Ohio State. Uh, no one there even knows they'll be playing basketball at that point. We're still December. <laughs> that is a good this call. Is, this is living in Ohio for as long as I have. This is what I picked up. Is that going to be so Chris even, wake up call that he's? They uh, won't he's even not know that it's happening anymore. Plus, yeah, exactly. <laughs> plus, they're not really. Plus, they're not really supposed to be that good. So that's one that's like not the worst of the worst. You save your your Rutgers and Nebraska for somewhere in the middle of the season. We need a break. And I think the home game. You know, do you take somebody who who you think might look like a good win later in the season? This is the bracketology part of me. You know, talking, but do you, do you take somebody who might look good, but is in a kind of transitional time? So like a Michigan, let's say. So they're getting used to not having Derek Walton, Zach Irvin, DJ Wilson, but still should be decent when it's all said and done. Um, do you get them while they're still trying to figure things out? Uh, you know, Minnesota has a lot of guys back, but I think they're a team that, you know, even in Nate Mason's, you know, eighth season, you might be able to to knock off. Uh, even a Wisconsin where, you know, they lost a ton. There might be a little bit transitional for them trying to figure things out who you can kind of bank on being pretty good um, by the end of the season, because those teams are all going to be in a tough stretch as well. And that's going to be, you know, one of those games going to be at home for IU. So do you get somebody coming off another road trip uh, or playing, you know, their third game in six days or something like that? And you can get a good, good win at home. You know, the environment's going to be good. Students are going to be there. Uh, I'd rather save bad home games for, you know, if I could pick the schedule out myself, save bad home games for a time when the students aren't there, when you don't necessarily need it. So like Rutgers happened to be that way last year uh, as an example. So I'd say, you know, try to find a, a transitional team you could play at home, but still could you know get a win that'll look good on your resume later. And then uh, and then Ohio State before people know basketball is even a sport in Columbus. OK, Andy's is probably the most sensible. And I think I might I, I, I think I might agree with Andy. That, that can't surprise anybody. I, I might agree with Andy, although be careful because Ohio State may be out for revenge after we beat him in football to open the season. Just true. Right. Um, yeah. But and I will say I would feel differently if it weren't for all the games that surround those two big games in the Big Ten. But when you got the Duke game, and the Louisville game and the Notre Dame game. You know, those are going to be tough games for for this team. And I just I worry if you have another really, really tough game in there that that could get, you know, that, that it's going to be a tough stretch either way. So but Andy, I, th- I think I think your idea is the most sensible. And so I think we will we will take that as the official assembly call position. And now something uh, that's never been said before on the show. Andy <laughs> Bottoms, the most sensible person here. What what episode was this? Hey, we knew it happened eventually. Law of averages, guys. Law of averages. Yes. OK. Um. All right, let's hit this question quickly. This is from Chris. With Archie's system of play, are there any specific teams that you're uneasy about facing? We discussed this a little bit in the break, and I think we all kind of agree that this is kind of an impossible question to answer right now. Right, Andy? Uh, I mean, I think I've been conditioned to just say Wisconsin as the answer to this question. After, yeah, me too. After the last handful of years. Whether it's actually true or not, I don't know. I think, you know, this year to me will be one to figure out how much Archie adjusts his style of play to the personnel that he has and the level of personnel that he's going to, you know, have on his roster and be able to get in the big 10. Um, I certainly think you'll see, you know, the basic principles that he's going to has done at Dayton will continue to do, but um, you know how he tweaks that. And if it's more susceptible to certain styles of play, uh, I think we'll get a better handle on that this year. I think my concerns this year are probably more personnel based just in terms of, you know, playing teams who have a really deep front line, uh, as we've talked about before, which is not really based on his style uh, so much as it is based on you know the roster composition of this year's team. So I think it's too early to tell um, if there's going to be you know somebody who kind of has his number uh, at this point. But uh, you know I think you know come next come next off season probably a fair question that we'll hopefully be able to give a little bit better answer to. You're listening to the Assembly Call. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips, and we are answering your questions that you submitted via Twitter. Make sure you are following the Assembly Call on Twitter, at Assembly Call, and that's where you can send us questions each week for this segment. This question comes to us from Hoosier Smack. How are we feeling about Archie? Still very early, but are we concerned about early recruiting misses? 
Uh, Ryan, I want to get your thoughts on this, but I will just say in terms of the early recruiting misses, not concerned at all. I don't really consider anything a miss per se. I mean, it's, you know, you're not going to get every recruit that you go after and Archie and his staff are obviously playing catch up with a lot of the guys in this year's class. I mean, they only had a couple of months to kind of get those relationships going. It's not like he was recruiting the same guys at Dayton that he is at Indiana. So I think it's very difficult to judge him too hard on this class or to consider those, you know, kind of quote unquote misses like you might, you know, in the class of 2019 or 2020, if we're in on a guy for two or three years. So I just want to state that I'm not really worried about the recruiting at all right now. Uh, and I'm still feeling great about Archie. Ryan, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I'm the, I'm the same way. I think that it's, it's tough to judge these guys since they just got there and, and kids are committing earlier and earlier in the process these days. And so they really haven't had a whole lot of time to work. So uh, to work these guys and, and, and try and figure it out. Um, so it's going to take some time. I think we have to give them, you know, be patient. This might not be the greatest class in the world. Uh, there's a lot of spots open, but it may not be the greatest class that Indians has ever had. Uh, it may take them a year or two to really de- develop those deep relationships they need. I think that um, there's some hope there with some guys already starting to sort of give the program notice um but you know you're gonna hopefully land one or two really good guys this year and fill out the roster well with with other talented players but i think that the goal is to be good in that long term and 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 not worry so much about it in year one i mean you want to you want to have a great recruiting class every year but you got to remember these guys were behind the eight ball starting very late and, and they weren't recruiting as you said they weren't recruiting these same guys at dayton and, and more importantly than just making a big splash, it's getting guys who fit. You know, that yep. this is such a foundational class for Archie because it's going to be, you know, four, five, six guys potentially. It's got to be guys who really fit, who are going to have – you know, the, 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 the character on and off the court that you want to build the culture of your program. That's what's so important with this class. And then as you're able to build longer relationships, then hopefully you can jump up and get those five-star guys. Uh, so I just think we need to take a measured approach with how we react to some of this recruiting news. And that leads us to our next question from Tyler, who says, who do you see in the 2018 class as being Coach Miller in Indiana's most important potential recruit? Uh, I will say for this one, look, if you can get Romeo Langford or Darius Garland, you know, two five-star guys. Obviously, they become the most important recruit. I mean, those would be huge gets. But at least right now, you know, it doesn't look like Indiana is the favorite there. And so if you start looking at some of the other guys that are more realistic, if you don't get Garland, I think a guy like Robert Finnessy becomes the most important recruit because you need a point guard. You know, you need that guy that is going to, you know, be the leader for this team and that even if he can't step in and start right away, that can be a three-year starter. And in addition, you know, teams like Purdue are recruiting Robert Finnessy. So if you can get him and get him away from a rival and he's an in-state guy that, you know, Archie can kind of pin those inside out uh, hopes and plans on, I think he becomes a really, really important player if you don't get uh, a guy like Garland. Um, I know you guys don't follow recruiting as much. Any, uh, any thoughts on, you know, as you look ahead to that class of 2018? You know, obviously, Lankford is the – I think that is the – you know, kind of obvious answer. And certainly if you can find a way to get him, um, that would, you know, be akin to, you know, Zeller coming to, to IU during Crean's time. Um, I think outside of that though, I think it's, um, you know, you mentioned fantasy, you know, race Thompson has come up a lot. You know, when you look at this class, I mean, with what Archie wants to build, the one thing he doesn't have, and this kind of goes back to the point I made about the freshman, everybody's start, nobody's able to teach somebody else what they need to do with the program. And so when we, during another offseason show talked about like who you want IU to emulate. You know, we brought up teams like Michigan States and Kansas's where, yeah, you get a splash of some one and done type talent. Um, but you also have this tradition and this culture that you have guys who are there for three or four years that can pass along. And I think Finnessy for sure, as you mentioned, I think race Thompson, you know, a four star guy, I believe, you know, maybe he doesn't, he isn't there for years, but he isn't a one and done type guy. So are those the kinds of guys you know, a good portion of this class needs to be the kinds of guys who obviously are, you know, you know, you're not taking untalented guys uh, for the sake of letting them build your program, but you're trying to kind of get some, get some hits in that, you know, some doubles, if you will, um, in that sweet spot where you really get some guys who are going to be able to be good, you know, you know, cultural uh, fits and, and guys who can really pass along things that you want to do. And I think those guys seem to to fit that a little bit and why their names um, you know, feel like they continue to come up toward the top of a lot of the hot boards and whatever you want to say, uh, whatever you want to call it. 
Ryan, if you have thoughts on this, let's get them in the next segment. Coming up in our final segment, we've got a couple other questions. We will get to as many of those as we can as we close out another episode of The Assembly Call. Great to be here with you. Stick around for one more second. You are listening to The Assembly Call. I'm Jared Morris, wrapping up another episode here, talking IU basketball with my co-hosts on The Assembly Call, IU postgame show, Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips. And guys, let's get to one more question because I think this is going to be the jumping off point for a fun little discussion here. This comes from Twitter user America Lover. He says, hypothetical, what impact would Larry Bird have had on Indiana basketball? And this kind of came, we, we've been having a, a conversation on Twitter for the past week or so about, you know, what ifs in Indiana history. And obviously, you know, Larry Bird was on campus for a few weeks, decided to leave. One of the bigger what ifs in Indiana history, uh, I would say. But the options are unmatched, significant, average, little, or none. Uh, I think it's pretty clear that it would have been either unmatched or uh, significant, considering what his uh, what his college career was like. So that certainly would have been uh, would have been fun for everyone to see. But but I think what's more interesting than that, because obviously none of us were around then. But what are some of the biggest what ifs in Indiana history? I mean, I think the, there's obvious ones that jump out, right? Like, what if Scott May hadn't broken his arm in 1975? Uh, and there's kind of some fun ones from back in the old days. Like, what if John Wooden had joined his friend Branch McCracken at Indiana instead of going up to Purdue? What if Wilt Chamberlain had come to Indiana? Because that was a thing that could have possibly happened. So there's some of those fun what ifs. But, you know, from your guys' perspective as IU fans, what are some of the biggest what-ifs that stick out to you? And, by the way, one of the reasons we started having this discussion on Twitter was after the interview that Alex Bozich and I did on Podcast on the Brink with Maurice Creek because I wondered, you know, what if Maurice Creek had had a healthy IU career? Everybody think back to what he did in that Kentucky game, the promise he showed early. You know, how big of a what-if is that, uh, you know, for the Tom Crean era and for Indiana basketball? Just imagine a healthy Maurice Creek on that 2013 team. You know, pretty uh, – that'll, that'll kind of jog your mind a little bit and get you going. Um, but what do you guys think? What are some of the biggest what-ifs? Ryan, I know one in particular sticks out to you. And, Andy, I know you're crying over there, so I'm going to give you some time to compose yourself before you give us yours. Appreciate it. <laughs> well, the 2005-2006 team that I covered at the IDS – uh, had a pretty big what if, and that was that was Mike Davis's final year at Indiana, and they were expecting to have an all star front court with uh, Marco Killingsworth and DJ White, and DJ White had foot problems all year and missed the entire season. It, he was the reigning uh, Big Ten newcomer of the year, uh, freshman of the year basically, and uh, came in and looked even better in in preseason game. Couple preseason games, he was hitting three pointers. They were doing a lot of high low stuff with Ian Killingsworth. They were dominating. It looked like just a terrible tandem down there, down low to deal with. And then DJ missed the entire season, and we all know what happened. Mike Davis lost his job. Um, the team just kind of sputtered, uh, showed some promise at times, uh, like in that Duke game we always talk about, and then you know won a tough game against San Diego State in the NCAA tournament, but then just sort of fell apart. And, and man, what could have been with that team, having those two guys teamed up down low? Uh, Marco wouldn't have had to play 30 minutes a game and may have actually you know been able to contribute late in games, getting some more rest uh, with another big guy there. But that really hurt that team, and, and you know they had to do something with – uh, I remember specifically they had to move Ben Allen into the post and he was more of an outside shooter sort of stretch four kind of guy and they had to move him to post up and totally ruined his game and you know led to his transfer. I mean it was it was a mess and that one injury really threw that whole season off and that was a team that had final four aspirations and the final four that year happened to be in Indianapolis. DJ's injury really ruined that uh, and we saw what kind of player he was when he came back. And, and, you know, was an all, was uh, the Big Ten player of the year eventually. So, uh, yeah, that's mine. I, it was really interesting to, to be on campus during that time. I swear every episode we mention a player that I never think we're going to be talking about. I did not expect to be talking Ben Allen on this episode. There you go, Ben Allen. Uh, okay, Andy, uh, will you join me in a moment <laughs> of silence for Allen Henderson's knee in 1993? Yes, sir. Absolutely. All right. Okay. That was a yeah. That would I mean that was my pick. I mean that team was uh, was phenomenal. You know, there at the time he got hurt, twenty three and two, twelve and zero in the league uh, at that point. And and even though he tried to come back, you know, it was fairly obvious he just you know was was trying to gut through it, but um, was not the same. I mean that was probably the most fun team. You know, we talked about this a little bit with some of the you know Mount Rushmore players last week, where 
it, you know, it, it, where where teams fall in your kind of formative years matters. Um, but there's no team, no IU teams that I've ever watched, you know, before then or after then that that I loved watching as much as as those teams uh, in that era and that one in particular. Uh, and, you know, it's even interesting to kind of look through you know, that team played fairly well in the tournament. I think Calvert Chaney, I forget who it was. It was it Dwayne Morton. Was that the guy in Louisville? Yeah. He just like eviscerated in, yes. the, in, the, <laughs> in the tournament game. Um, so that was, you know, I mean, that team still, you know, made it to the regional final against Kansas. But that was, uh, you know, that was crushing. And then, you know, kind of that particularly on the heels of the the other. What if, you know, what if a competent official not named Ted Valentine uh, officiated the final four game against Duke would be perhaps another one right in that same uh, in that same era. What if Ivan Renko was real? Might the ensuing seasons have been even better for Indiana? Wow, you know, that's, that's mind blown on that one. And, you know, I, I will say some of the other fun what ifs in Indiana basketball history are kind of going back and seeing, you know, legendary players that just miss playing together by a year. Like if you think about, you know, what if Jay Edwards hadn't gone pro after his second season? A decision that he has said since was a mistake. Well, he would have ended up playing uh, for at least a year, maybe two, with Calvert Chaney and with Greg Graham and with those guys. I mean, imagine a team with Jay Edwards and Calvert Chaney on it. Like, how are you defending that team? <laughs> I mean, you know, and, and so some of those are really, you know, some of the most fun ones to think about. Um, but that's the thing, you know, with Indiana basketball. And, and, you know, I'm sure it's like this for a lot of the the blue blood programs that have, you know, such a great history and tradition is there's so many what ifs out there. Uh, and you can uh, you can easily get lost thinking about banners number six, seven, eight, nine. You know, if some of those seasons had gone differently. Uh, so it is always a fun discussion to think about. But that will wrap it up. That'll do it for us on this week's episode of The Assembly Call. If you want to see us do the show live and be part of the live chat, join us at assemblycall.com on Thursday nights for the live simulcast of our Assembly Call radio recording. Or you can always subscribe to our podcast by searching for Assembly Call wherever you listen to podcasts. And don't forget to go to assemblycall.com slash join to activate your free Assembly Call membership. Thank you for listening. We will be back to talk IU hoops again with you next week. Until then, keep your elbows in and your eyes on the rim. And go Hoosiers. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Assembly Call. If you want to support the show, please share The Assembly Call with a friend or family member who loves IU basketball like you do. You can also visit assemblycall.com support to learn a few ways you can help. From donating to grabbing official Assembly Call gear to buying IU merchandise that you'd buy anyway, but using our special affiliate links, which get us a commission. We rely on the support of audience members like you to keep the assembly call alive and growing. Once again, the URL is assemblycall.com support. Thank you, and as always, go Hoosiers. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. Tonight's Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player client. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. Tonight's Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player client.